BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ben Jarofsky here. You know what I've learned? I've learned that not enough of you are reading my newsletter. This must be corrected. You must read my newsletter. It's funny. It's wise. It's smart. It's insightful. It's brilliant. I'm now going to quote uh, all the critics. Greatest thing I ever read, Monroe Anderson. Best thing ever, Chris Shragi. I love it, Dr. D. This is so wonderful, Brandon Johnson. These are just a few of the recommendations that my newsletter has received. Uh, by the way, none of these people said anything about that, but they would have if I asked them, I think. Anyway, to get my newsletter, head to chicagoreader.com. Click on the newsletters button to sign up for the Daily Reader. One more time, ladies and gentlemen, chicagoreader.com. I know you millennials know what that means, chicagoreader.com. And I will avoid telling you about the time I didn't know that dot was like a dot as opposed to D-O-T. All right. One more time. ChicagoReader.com. Read the newsletter. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Wednesday, October 25th starts now. On today's show, returning, you know him, you love him. He's one of Ben's favorites and one of mine for Monroe Wednesday's Row Anderson. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a proud presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on in politics, what's going on with immigration in the city of Chicago, you need to head to ChicagoReader.com. You'll find all that and much more. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, he's there too. Just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J. O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Love City Wednesday, and here's why. So much to discuss on the national level. Uh, Monroe Anderson sitting by, but I must open with, uh, <laughs> I can't say I'm surprised. I can't say I'm shocked, but I'm disappointed nonetheless i know that sounds like a contradiction this is response that's been all over the media the local media uh people in brighton park uh to a proposal for tent city uh, to be put in their neighborhood roughly 38th in california they filled up a kelly high school auditorium yesterday and just denounced it chicago man i said the love city i opened with but i was being facetious it's really hate city always has been we're a very tribal city. My lefty listeners are always trying to correct me, Ben. No, it's somebody. We're not. It's not in their hearts. It's a whatever. It's been this way forever. Martin Luther King came to Chicago, the greatest man of peace in my lifetime. And how did Chicago respond? They hit him in the head with a rock. It's a get out of here. It's been all downhill since then. Harold Washington ran for mayor. Greatest mayor city ever had. The best friend Chicago municipal employees ever had, including firefighters and police and how do they respond they lost their freaking minds we got to vote for epton before it's too late that same thing happened with uh brandon johnson brandon johnson runs for mayor ladies and gentlemen all these north side liberals we're gonna vote for paul ballas <laughs> best deal please get from brandon johnson. i still have not seen an apology uh johnny canzer as i said yesterday did sort of say, yeah, maybe I got it wrong. He's the head of Toronto Police. But where's Paul Vallis? Oh, boy, did I screw that one up. Predicting all this gloom and doom for the city of Chicago, Brandon Johnson's uh, elected mayor. Turns out he's Brandon Johnson's best friend the Chicago Police Department ever got in terms of rank and file. Uh, officers getting pay raise, getting a little respect to the contract process. Has Richard Durbin, Senator Durbin, said, oh, my God, was I wrong? Nope. Not a word from Richard Durbin. Another Democrat who endorsed uh, Paul Bell. How about Arnie Duncan? Remember Arnie Duncan? Secretary of Education under Obama. Uh, head of the Chicago Public Schools under Daly. He came up with some cockamamie reason for endorsing Paul Vallis. Had to do with, we need Paul Vallis to bring peace with our police department. Now Johnny Catanzaro loves Brandon Johnson, or at least appreciates him. Hey, Arnie Duncan, are you going to apologize for uh, endorsing Paul Vallis? 
You say, well, maybe I made a mistake there. <laughs> Mainstream uh, Democrat. So how can we expect people, people in Brighton Park to have a benevolent attitude toward uh, Venezuelan immigrants if the Democratic leaders of Chicago are so afraid of Brandon Johnson, they endorse, like, the MAGA guy? You know, like, how can we expect? I don't expect. So anyway, yesterday, uh, people who were opposed the Penn City and Brighton Park showed up in force at Kelly High School. And I will now just read to you. This is from Block Club. Uh, these are some of the quotes. Uh, here we go. At times, neighbors shouted at the panel of city officials and broke into chants. Those opposed to the tent city yelled things like, send them back. And then in Spanish, we don't want Venezuelans. So you had Hispanic people chanting, we don't want Venezuelans. They slammed the city for not better notifying them of the proposal ahead of time or taking their input in consideration. Well, you can slam the city for that. But uh, let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, they weren't in that filling up that Kelly High School Auditorium in opposition because they were upset at Brandon Johnson's administration for not more dutifully notifying them of Tent City. No, they were there because they opposed Tent City. Because one thing you learn when you come to the city of Chicago is like, I'm here now. The rest of you go after yourself. Chicago, city of hate. Always has been. I'm, I, hope, I hope I live to see a change in this city that I have adopted and that I chose to live here. But Lord, every year it seems to make just underscores that central point that there's something tribal about Chicago. I'm here now and I want any newcomers. Unless it's like, I don't know, uh, Amazon workers. For some reason they love them and they don't like Venezuelans. Heck of a city we live in, ladies and gentlemen. All right, without further ado, Monroe Anderson uh, standing by. Uh, dear friend of the show, dear friend of mine, every Wednesday, uh, Monroe, I, I will hop over uh, Chicago politics uh, and get right to the national news of that's breaking as we speak. This is so bizarre, even for where we are, uh, <laughs> what we've gotten used to. Uh, what is happening right now, national on the political front? Republicans in the House have decided uh, they voted unanimously for Mike Johnson, a congressman. This just happened, ladies and gentlemen, a congressman from Louisiana to be their speaker. He was endorsed by Donald John Trump. He was one of the leaders uh, in the House of the movement to uh, decertify the election results, which is a fancy way of saying snatching the election <laughs> uh, for Biden, giving it to Trump to subvert democracy as we know it. Right now, Donald John Trump is on trial uh, in Georgia for trying to uh, steal that election there. And uh, he's also, there's a, well, he's not on trial, but he was indicted. He's also indicted in D.C. for leading the insurrection, which was part of that movement. Uh, and you would think the Republican Party would try to separate itself from Donald Trump. But no, they're, they're going stronger, Monroe. They're going stronger for Trump. They <laughs> they defeated Tom Emmer for speaker because he wasn't, what, fawning enough to Donald Trump. Donald Trump, one tweet, Emmer was gone, and now Donald Trump uh, has his little puppet in there, uh, Mike Johnson. The world is insane, Monroe Anderson. Why should uh, politics in the United States of America be any different? Take away your thoughts. The problem is um, nobody knows Mike Johnson. He's, he's been in office less than seven years. And as a general rule, you want a Speaker of the House who has a track record with, uh, with the caucus that he's supposed to be um, in charge of. So he's a, he, he, Johnson is probably going to turn out to be weaker than McCarthy. If that's possible, we'll see. But you know, the thing is, his credentials as a MAGA nut are impeccable. Okay, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he was against um, um, gay rights. He's against women's rights. Uh, he's, I, I'm willing to bet he's against um, civil rights. Uh, so he's their guy. 
uh, we'll get into what you mean by weaker uh, than McCarthy, but I'll just, to your point, I want to and a, a shout out uh, listener Frank for sending me all this stuff. Uh, and because uh, the story is just breaking. And so uh, listener Frank is sent, uh, texting me as we speak. So here we go. Matt Gates to Steve Bannon. Matt Gates, of course, being the MAGA congressman uh, from Florida who began this insurrection against Kevin McCarthy uh, and Steve Bannon. I know my listeners know, but just in case someone doesn't know, is sort of more or less, I guess, the brains behind the MAGA movement. Uh, and uh, he's the one who advised Donald Trump and now is a huge force in the MAGA movement with his own podcast, which has a hell of a lot more listeners than mine. But thanks for nothing, lefties. Here we go. Uh, Matt Gates to Steve Bannon, quote, if you don't think that moving from Kevin McCarthy to MAGA Mike Johnson shows the ascendance of this movement and where the power of the Republican Party truly lies, then you're not paying attention. That's Matt Gates to Steve Bannon. They're making it clear, Monroe. They are in charge. Uh, or they think they're in charge. <laughs> but what they are is they're, they're the wrecking crew. That's who they are. And so they will continue doing what they do. What do you mean by the wrecking crew? They are trying to destroy democracy as we know it. Uh, they're anti-constitutional. They're uh, pro-authoritarian. They are going to uh, finish themselves off within the next year because they're too extreme. And, and, and this guy is extreme. Yeah, uh, he is to uh, Monroe's point. Uh, just some of the uh, the positions he takes. Uh, uh, well, first of all, here's what uh, uh, Donald Trump had uh, to say uh, about uh, Mike Johnson uh, being uh, the speaker. Con quote: Congratulations to Representative Mike Johnson. Trump wrote, "Quote: He will be a great speaker. Make America great again." <laughs> the thing I like Trump. Uh, he will be a great speaker. And so great and speaker, all caps, make America great again is all caps. I love when people put stuff in caps. Right. I feel my listeners do that when they text me. They put it in caps, like, just in case you're not understanding this, we're going to put it in caps. Okay. And, and, and sometimes they give you a few exclamation points <laughs> <laughs> in case you didn't get the all caps. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Monroe, we are clearly moving toward a situation where Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee uh, while in jail. I don't know. I mean, uh, or while definitely convicted, I think, I believe we're heading toward a conviction. The only right. issue is, will it, that will it line up chronologically? Uh, but that's where we're heading. Go. Oh yeah. It's going to line up chronologically. Uh, he'll be the nominee and he will be a convict. Uh, and and um, they will, the MAGA nuts still um, vote for him, and he will lose, and then they will claim that, darn it, they stole another one from us. <laughs> well, I want you to know uh, that Joe Rogan, no one listen, Joe Rogan, the podcaster extraordinaire uh, who has millions and millions of followers, has uh, pretty much predicted a Donald Trump victory. He says Donald Trump is a shoo-in. Uh, and uh, so, for, for, for the nominee. I think he's talking. No, he's talking about uh, again. Yeah, for president. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you disagree with him, correct? Right. Right. Trump, Trump, couldn't, Trump couldn't beat Biden with, uh, without the luggage, the baggage he has now. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna be Biden. So you don't think there's uh, there's not a part of your brain that says American voters have gotten used to the fact that Donald Trump is a liar, that Donald Trump is a crook, that Donald Trump tried to steal the election, uh, that Donald uh, Trump uh, is uh, a sexual assaulter, uh, right. 
<laughs> I'm going down that Donald Trump is uh, a fraudulent business person who lied on all his uh, tax forms and uh, all and all and all, all these trials. The American people are going to look at that evidence and go, you know what? We like him anyway, because I don't know, fill in the blanks, some reason they like him. You, you're confident that in the American people's ability uh, to see who Donald Trump is and say, no, we don't want any part of this. Yes. True. And when you say the American people, I mean, 50, 50 plus one. <laughs> I'm like talking about all of the American people. Uh, there are some ignorant people on both sides. Yeah. Well, I've never uh, felt that Donald Trump will ever win a majority of the vote. Right. Right. So we have an electoral college system uh, to deal with, and that's... But this is just, I've never seen anything like this uh, in American politics uh, where the Republican Party, one of our two major parties, is pledging its support uh, more and more every day uh, to a man uh, who is literally on trial for subverting American democracy, among many other things. Uh, And it's as though they're saying, we're going to stick to this narrative that the election was stolen even though the election wasn't stolen and we're going to stick to this narrative as though uh, the insurrection uh, didn't really happen even though the insurrection did happen uh and uh, they're just monroe they're like taking everybody off a cliff never seen anything like it have you can you recall anything remotely like this no no this this is truly an historical moment that we're going through but um I think that was uh, Winston Churchill. They said, um, leave it to America, trust America to do everything wrong until they get it right, until we get to the right thing. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but but um, we're doing everything wrong, but we will get to the right thing. Well, it, uh, uh, it sure seems like it's taking us a long time to get to the right thing. Uh, do you have any doubts about the strategy uh, the Democrats pursued uh, to uh, get rid of Kevin McCarthy now that you see that Mike Johnson uh, is his replacement? Uh, no. Because Mike, Mike Johnson, like, as I said a little bit earlier, he's got to be weaker than McCarthy. Because he doesn't have he doesn't have the chits to call in even. And uh, he, he does. He's never managed anything. No, they, he, he was truly the compromise candidate. And um, you really don't want to be compromised at the top. But you have to stop and think about it, is he is third in line to be president. Damn. Third. Third in line, ladies and gentlemen. Third in line, fiercely a- anti-choice, uh, against gay marriage, you know, uh, pretty much voted against every environmental <laughs> measure, regulation, regulatory bill, et cetera, and so forth. Just a die-hard MAGA man. Uh, and uh, he's third in line right now. Uh, you know, and, and, and American politics does not in any way start to sort of reflect where America is. You, you know what I'm saying, Monroe? It just, um, it's like the most hardcore portion of the Republican Party uh, is just driving the boat. Yeah, but, they, but, but, but they're driving a rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, by the way, I had a, a conversation uh, with Jesse Washington. I'm probably going to allude to it a couple of times. He's the, uh, uh, he wrote, uh, he was the writer who wrote uh, John Thompson's autobiography. I know that sounds weird, but, uh, you know, celebrities don't uh, generally write their own biographies. They, they depend on writers anyway. Uh, and I said, uh, I, I made that line, driving the boat. And he corrected me. He goes, Ben, it would be driving the bus, not the boat. And I said, okay. But I like, it's something about driving a boat. I love saying driving a boat. You know? uh, but I did get it wrong. It's driving the bus, not the boat. Um, all right. So while this is happening, Yes, uh, and we're uh, we have to figure out what exactly it means um, in terms of whether Congress will be able to pass a spending bill uh, or the government will shut down. You know whether Mike Johnson has the capability 
of getting that deal done. Um, so that uh, remains uh, to be seen. Well, but, I think there, there are members of his caucus that don't want that to be, to 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 happen. Yeah, you know, they they're firebombing the nation, and so they want to see it burn. And um, I don't see how he's going to get it through. This is uh, probably what's going to happen is the government's going to close down. And then um, the money boys are going to get on the phone and say, are you out of your freaking mind? I'm... <laughs> I lost a billion dollars today yeah. in the stock market because of this crazy stuff you guys are doing. Uh, and then what? They'll pass uh, yeah. a spending bill to keep the government, to reopen the government? Yeah, they'll, they, they can't. This what's amazing about this is we're in perilous times. Yeah, you got the uh, Ukraine, which people have forgotten about, but but it's still going on. You got Gaza and Israel going on. Uh, Iran major coming. We we may have to bomb 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 Iran, uh, and in the meantime, China is poised to to invade. Uh, Taiwan at any time to uh, to get the chips uh, and we have no leadership in the, the house because this, this guy is, he's not going to be a leader he, he won't be well, well, um, I certainly hope, uh, and I, I sound, I realize I sound totally naive as I say this. Uh, we'll just start, well, Ukraine, you started with Ukraine, so I don't see any ceasefire coming there. I would hope there would be a ceasefire every morning. I, I pray there will be a ceasefire uh, in uh, Israel, in the Middle East. Israel bombing Gaza, and um, New York Times had a headline the other day. Uh, it was something to the point, like like American advisors saying, "Israel, what what are you going to gain from this?" And um, they're really, if you if you just strip all emotion away from it and just do analysis, just straight up analysis, just forget who did what when. There is no strategic point to this other than, and here's where the madness comes back, revenge. Right. That's just revenge. An eye for an eye, a two for a two. And you, for... And, 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 and you end up with blind people eating apple sauce and oatmeal. It's Yeah. It's just madness. Absolute, yeah. utter madness. Complete disregard for life. Uh, and so I hope this is the first step, you know what I mean? A ceasefire. Uh, I don't see that happening though. And as far as every, I, everything else on your laundry list, uh, Monroe, I certainly hope the United States does not bomb Iran on my, oh my God, I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, but, uh, at this day, oh my Lord, just. I hope there's some restraint. McCain was singing that 10, 15 years ago. John, the late John McCain. Yeah. Right. right. Well, say what you will about Donald Trump. Uh, whenever anybody says that, I'm like, oh, what's going to come next? It's going to be something that's embarrassing. It's going to embarrass you ultimately, Ben. Whenever, whenever I say it, say what you will about Donald Trump. At least he refrained from bombing. Uh, did he? I'm trying to think. Did he bomb Iran at all? No, he was planning yeah. on it. He was uh, his general kept him in, in, in uh, kept him from doing it. Yeah. Told everybody else in the in the establishment, don't do it. This freaking madness all over the world, uh, and I believe uh, that Donald Trump. This is part of a larger effort by Donald Trump. Uh, to avoid uh, prison time, Monroe subscribes to that. 
because his theory, this is why I disagree with uh, your prediction uh, and um, uh, the prediction of my other dear friend, Mark Wallace, that Donald Trump will cop a plea. Because I, I do believe that Donald Trump's over his, his strategy, if you can call it that, to uh, escape a punishment for his many alleged crimes uh, is to get reelected and knowing that he could pardon himself on federal cases and he just doesn't think they have the guts to punish him uh, in Georgia, in the state case, uh, by putting him in jails. And that so that strategy is, and plus it's just his ego is rampaging. Right. And he just wants to come back well, and say it all. He's running scared. He really is. And the thing is, um, I'm not sure Jack Smith will cut a deal with it. Trump's going to want to cut a deal. The last thing on earth Trump wants is to go to prison. He has nightmares about that. He wakes up in the middle of the night, just sweating. <laughs> and, and, and so he will try to cut a deal because they have him. I mean, they have him left, right, up and out, in and out, upside down, right side up. I mean, they just have him yeah. with the evidence. Wow. And he's getting a taste of it in New York right now. And in Atlanta, and this is only the beginning. Well, uh, so to that point in Atlanta, and this this stuff happens, it gets buried uh, because there's so much going on in the world. Uh, and uh, Jenna Ellis uh, is pled guilty uh, in the Georgia election case. She was one of Trump's lawyers. Sidney Powell uh, pled guilty uh, in the uh, uh the, in the Georgia case, uh, she's another one of his lawyers. Ben Chesbarrow, uh pled guilty. Uh, he's another one of his lawyers in the Georgia case, presumably. Uh, Bonnie Willis, this is the prosecuting attorney, will get them all to testify against Trump. I presume that's the strategy uh, that she is following. And um, so the pressure definitely is mounting uh, uh, in Georgia. I can't see at this stage uh Fonnie willis cutting a deal with donald trump uh, without a trial uh so i never believed that donald trump would I, I actually do not subscribe to the mark wallace monroe anderson theory i believe that donald trump this is going to play it out where to try to get reelected, and then if he doesn't get reelected, maybe he'll cut a deal um, it'll be too late by that time yeah it'll, uh it'll be too late uh, so before, and then uh, uh, Cohen, Michael Cohen testified yesterday uh, in New York, and that was a fascinating exchange. It's kind of been lost of time. Let's start with Georgia before we go to Cohen. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Sidney Powell and uh, Jenna Ellis and um, uh, Ken Chesborough or Chesborough, however he pronounces it, cutting their deals? Well, because they wised up to the fact that Trump was not going to have their back. And so why should they have his? And the price they, they were going to have to pay was too much. You know, not, 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 they would have lost their licenses, their lawyers. So the first thing to go would have been their licenses or their ability to make money. And uh, they got, she, she gave them a sweet deal. You tell, this is a slap on the pinky finger she gave them. So now they they will be uh, singing and singing and singing. And and in in contrast, Michael Cohen in New York, he didn't. It, this is not about escaping punishment. He was already punished. Right. Michael Cohen was Trump's uh, fixer for years. He was the lawyer, uh, his go-to lawyer to intimidate uh, people who were uh, threatening Trump in any way possible way you know like a business deal or what anything politics uh, he was the one who was going to pay off uh stormy daniels uh, to get her to not tell her story yeah and uh what's that he was trump's fixer yeah he's the fixer uh and then at one point the light went on probably when he was getting prosecuted that yeah. i have ruined my life i have thrown away my life well, it started with Trump didn't give get him up. He wanted a position in the White House. 
if only Trump had just said, okay, I'm going to put you in charge of security, he would have been happy just to be in the White House. But Trump didn't do anything for him there. And then Trump, uh, then the Stormy Daniels case comes up and uh, Cohn is indicted, but not Trump. Trump is unidentified uh, uh, number one, individual number one. And Trump didn't give him money to defend himself. He didn't do anything for him. And that's when the light bulb went on, you know, whoa. And so he found Jesus. Uh, and by the way, this is breaking. This just popped over my, every, see, it's, it's impossible to do <laughs> podcast in real time. Ladies and gentlemen, because stuff is happening all the time. The, I was doing an interview with Jesse Washington when the story broke uh, that uh, the Republicans had selected Mike Johnson as their um, speaker. This story just broke. Uh, and uh, Monroe, uh, I it just hit the wires three minutes ago from the New York Times. Let me read this to you. A Manhattan judge ordered Donald J. Trump. I love how they put the J in there. Like, oh, which is there a different Donald Trump? Uh, Donald J. Trump to the witness stand Wednesday, creating the spectacle of a former president called to account before finding that Mr. Trump had attacked a court clerk and fining him $10,000. Trump wearing a Navy suit and for the most part refraining from his usual lengthy monologues testified that negative comments he made earlier in the day had referred not to the judge's law clerk, whom he is barred from attacking, but to Michael D. Cohen, who is testifying for a second day. From the stand, Trump said that he had not been referring to the clerk, Allison Greenfield, but he added that he thought the clerk was maybe unfair, and I think she's very biased against me, unquote. After Trump left the stand, having testified for about three minutes, the judge, Arthur F. Angoran, said that he had not found the former president credible and levied the fine. And that is the entire story. Donald John Trump finally testified uh, in court. And I assume he had to raise his right hand and say, repeat after me. Uh, you know how they do. Like the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yeah, which is with Trump, it's like, right. I don't know how that's possible. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. Uh, a, a part truth, maybe a little bit here, uh, you know, maybe a little bit there, uh, buried within a bunch of lies. How about that? Okay. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Did you see it coming? I didn't yeah, see it coming. yeah, I see it coming. He he keeps testing the lo- the limits uh, because that's what he does. Yeah. And the the judges are 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 letting him test and test so that at some point one of them is going to say the next step is you going to jail with yeah. him um, and that at the rate he's going because he he's accelerating because he is really just out, out of sorts he doesn't he, he this is the first time in his life he's he's not he's not been in control and not able to get in control the legal system has him now. And so he's going nuts because he does not want to go to jail. Well, he is pushing it. He is pushing and pushing and pushing it. An unbelievable testimony. Like uh, he's not assaulting or sailing uh, the clerk. He's assailing Cohen when it's so obvious uh, that it's reverse. And anyone, anyone who's just, just being like objective, forget objective. That's not even the word. Anyone who's just being honest. Right. Say. It, 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 go, it goes back to his assertion uh, in the face of contradictory evidence that there were more people at his inauguration than at Obama's. First of all, his obsession as to why that matters just right. shows his depravity. But like to think that he can get away with saying that something is obviously false is true uh, and getting away with it, by and large, by the way, let's not forget that he's the front runner for the Republican nomination. Uh, shows like a degree 
of, of insanity on, on pretty much everybody's part on the Republican side of things if they allow him to get away with it. Uh, but a $10,000 fine, we'll be following uh, that story as well. Did you... Uh, he, he had a $5,000 fine already. Yes. The second time. So yeah. we're going to keep, keep doing this up in the amount, the fine, and, and have him violate it. And then at some point, some judge is going to say, well, this is what you must not say, and if you do, you will be in jail. And I think he's operating under the notion that his going to jail is really going to make him a martyr. His people are going to go crazy if they put him in jail. But I, the, the crazy people will go crazy, but everybody else is going to go, well, he was warned <laughs> more than anybody else gets warned. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding that <laughs> one of the great frauds uh, that MAG has perpetrated is somehow or other Donald Trump has been treated unjustly to me. Uh, that's a stunning success on their part. They've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people repeating that Donald Trump's been treated unjustly, Monroe, when you know and I know that these judges have been bending over backward to give him a break right. in a way they would not bend over backward for anyone else, probably because they're afraid, in part, of the response from MAGA. Right. Right, yeah. exactly. But, you know, just like the Republicans uh, who broke from... Um, Jim uh, Jim Jordan uh, broke because he was threatening them. Uh, that's that's what's going to happen with Trump. Same thing. They, they, the judges are going to just say, "Okay, enough's enough." But he he will be warned, and the warning will come in. You are violating the court orders and. Uh, we will d deprive you of your freedom until you trial. All right, we're going to get into Jim Jordan. That's one of the uh, <laughs> he's he, I, so much is happening, so much is shifting. Jim Jordan over the weekend was the one of the the leading uh, contender for the House Speakership, and he lost eventually. We'll get into that, but I don't I don't want to lose sight of Mike of Michael Cohen and his testimony yesterday. Uh, I found it uh, fascinating on many levels. What was your thoughts about Michael Cohen's testimony? Oh, you know, the thing is. The reason Trump is where he is today is because of Michael Cohen. Mm -hmm. And Michael Cohen's uh, testimony about Trump early on. Um, uh, in New York, and then to the January 6th committee. Mm -hmm. And, and um, after, after that, it's like, okay, here we are. We're, we're on the road to where we are now. I mean, Michael, Michael's testimonies, uh, if there's one person that's responsible for all of this, it's Michael Cohen. What do you mean? Because he, he, he started it by, by talking about how Trump was uh, playing the system oh. in, in detail. Yeah. And everybody knew that in New York. You know, I, I, I can remember reading back uh, in the 80s, that Trump would lie about his, his wealth uh, so he could get higher on the Forbes um, list of uh, the wealthiest people. Yeah. But he, I mean, it, it was just, it was written. Everybody knew he was doing this. But um, it wasn't until he became president when he wasn't so funny anymore. He was... He, he, he wasn't the joke that everybody thought he was. Yeah. No, he definitely, he's not the joke that everybody uh, thought he was. Uh, and and Cohen uh, was sort of like a cultist, an early Trump cultist, lived right. in awe of the man. Right. Uh, up to him, idolized him, wanted his approval. Right. Uh, and then, as you pointed out, didn't get it when he didn't get an appointment in the White House. And I guess that was the first realization that he was uh, that he dedicated himself to a lunatic who uh, was a megalomaniac, was not going to uh, 
you know, uh, return his, the favor of his loyalty. Uh, and uh, the other thing I found interesting about it, Monroe, the testimony of the, not only a, um, as he, re, re, he reveals how betrayed he feels by Donald Trump, uh, is once he gets into that cross-examination, <laughs> the skirmishes he has with the other lawyer, with the lawyer, Trump's lawyer, where he's lecturing the lawyer, where he's challenging the lawyer. It's just like, <laughs> I could see why he was, uh, Trump appreciated him because the dude is a fighter. Uh, right. Say what you will about Michael Cohen. You know what uh, I mean? He used to call up people and uh, and threaten them for, for some, some some debt that Trump had and he wasn't paying. And he would, I mean, he would just yell at them and threaten them or what have you. He was very effective. That's why Trump had him. But I, I don't know why Trump was so foolish as to not give him a White House appointment. Well, it's like everything else with Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, just think about it. I mean, you know this better than I do because you know Trump better than I do. It's the arrogance of Donald Trump, the contempt he has for other people, uh, and uh, the indifference he, he has. He does not care that Michael Cohen feels betrayed. He doesn't have normal feelings the way you and I may have a sense of loyalty for someone who stood by us. You know what I mean? That's just right. not – it's all about Donald. That's – Right. And, um, you know, what's, uh, what's funny is Cohen makes it a point of referring to him as Donald. Yeah. And I, I'll bet you 10,000 bucks when he worked for him, he had to refer to him as Mr. Trump. Oh, yeah. He's not calling him Mr. Trump anymore. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you got that right, Monroe. And that's intentional. And Donald. <laughs> yeah. And Donald. Yeah. Right. Donald. <laughs> No, those days of Mr. Trumpers are over. No exactly. more Mr. Trump. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves calling him Donald. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some kids are like that. Uh, when they, they they go through a phase where they love calling their parents by their first name. You yeah. know, I, I don't know if you ever went to... Uh, my kids never did that, but I've seen some kids. I know a few people, although remain nameless, just really enjoy calling their parents uh by their first when I, when I was five or six something like that i was calling my father monroe to and, his face yeah i tell him monroe you know maybe i was four you know i was young and anyway his response was well because somebody said and you let him call you monroe he said well that's my name <laughs> <laughs> So did you, he, you don't, you don't think he would have cared if you would, like when you were 10, if you were still doing it? Yeah, I don't think he would have. He, wow. He, 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 my father was very cool. He, he, overall, he was very cool. But I, you know, I quit, I, I, that was a phase I went through and then he was daddy. Yeah. He grew out of that phase yeah. at age five. Right. Uh, but that's funny. That's my name. That's pretty cool. Well, that's my name, isn't it? <laughs> it's not like he's calling me Benny, uh, which would not be my name. Or MF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, MF. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, again, I'm alluding to the Jesse Washington interview I did with, uh, regarding John Thompson. He And Jesse Washington said that he knew he had made it with John Thompson when John Thompson started called him MF. John Thompson was a guy who used, you know, the MF a lot. Why are we even saying MF? Motherfucker, okay? It's a podcast. We're allowed to say it. And uh, uh, he said, John Thompson, that's like one of his favorite words. Uh, and he goes, I knew I made it when he called me a motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I can understand. I, can, yeah, I, was, in, I was in the circle. <laughs> I was in the circle. Yeah, honored circle. Uh, but at least Monroe's dad did not call him that, okay? Uh Anyway, all right, let's go back. I uh, said, anything you, any, any words you hear me say, you can say. And he never cursed. He, he never cursed, huh? No, no, not in front of me. I think I'm sure he did, you know, but not in front of us. That was his mission. You're not a big cursor either, Monroe. Uh huh. You know, yeah. I mean, I've had literally thousands of conversations with you, yeah. and you're not a big, I'm the one who will start dropping that F bomb when I talk, and then you may pick up on it. Yeah, uh, but you're not a big cursor. I, I I used to be till I became a father, and then I I, I quit. Because, All right. Yeah, you know, and so I had to stop because if you curse, you curse. You know, you can't 
curse sometimes, and then when you're around other people, you don't or anything. So I I I didn't, but I I do use the words. Yeah. But I I, I go for impact and effect, not just to get, just to release an emotion. All right. So you're in humble opinion before we get to Jim Jordan. Yes. Who is the all-time greatest at saying motherfucker? Oh, uh, Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Uh, that's his trademark. Yeah. By people, <laughs> people have gone to movies. This yeah. is one movie to him hear him say motherfucker. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's the only way snakes on a train. I mean, plane, no, on a plane. Yeah. He's on a plane, got an audience and all, because they're going to hear Samuel Jackson say, motherfucker. <laughs> and he said it in so many, he's so creative. He says it in so many different intonations. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's quite a claim to fame, but uh, <laughs> I think you may be right in that, although. Uh... Uh, my dear friend Rick Stone. I don't know. Yeah, the way <laughs> when he says it, it's like you people can say it as well as he can. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Jim Jordan, and this is the man uh, that momentarily uh, was a leading candidate uh, to be Speaker. The, the Republican Caucus uh, selected him, uh, and then uh, it lost on the floor. He could not get the necessary votes to, I think it's 217 to be speaker. Yeah. Uh, He's a congressman uh, from Ohio in a very gerrymandered district. So he's pretty much unbeatable. Uh, He is Donald Trump's uh, leading um, cheerleader. uh, And uh, he is the person whose job it is to accuse uh, Democrats of doing the things that he looks the other way uh, with at Trump uh, for having done far worse things, I might add. Now, what he does is he commits crimes that Trump has accused other people of doing. Yeah. For example, exactly. um, he talks about the weaponization of mm-hmm. uh, various committees. And, and that's what he is doing as we speak, is weaponizing various communities uh, I mean, committees to go after the um, Democrats. Absolutely. Uh, and he tries to uh, position himself as a man of truth, which is so funny. And truth has nothing to do with where MAGA is uh, in this day's age. And it's just pursuing the truth, uh, which is all BS, as everybody knows. Anyway, um, before he got into politics, he was a wrestler, and apparently a very good wrestler. Uh, and the Washington Post this weekend has kind of been lost uh, Monroe, I don't know if you actually saw the story, but Lawson, uh, just all the, everything else going along, did a deep dive uh, into Jim Jordan, particularly his life as a wrestler. It gets in the whole mentality of wrestling. College, this is college wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, as opposed to pro wrestling. It's a totally different thing. Uh, and um, his greatness as a wrestler, they openly uh, acknowledge that. Uh, and uh, the kind of the craziness of a wrestler constantly attacking, look for a vulnerability on the part of his opponent and then attacking uh, that. You can see him uh, applying those principles, as Monroe said, as, uh, as the, um, uh, the accuser. Uh, but he's perfectly capable of looking the other way, Monroe, uh, <laughs> in the, when he sees uh, things that he knows he should oppose or he should know that he should oppose but doesn't. Uh, and there's the infamous case of a doctor uh, at you know, Ohio State, uh, who was uh, assaulting, fondling the wrestlers at the Ohio State uh, uh, wrestling team, where at this point, uh, J- uh, Jim Jordan was an assistant coach. So this is in the 90s. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the wrestlers really couldn't say anything because many of them had scholarships on the line. So if they spoke out against this doctor, Monroe, they'd lose their scholarship, or there was a threat that they might lose their scholarship and then have to be kicked out of college. Uh, and so this is from the Washington Post, ladies and gentlemen. I'm re- literally reading you something in the Washington Post that ran this week. Monroe, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, so the doctor's name is Strauss. Here we go. Quote, Strauss sat naked in the sauna with wrestlers, his legs dangling open. And here they quote a former wrestler, Tito Vasquez, quote, he would come in and he'd be wrapped in a towel and take the towel off and just sit with his legs spread on the opposite side of us with his penis showing and everything. On one occasion, Vasquez went to Strauss for a bloody nose. 
Vasquez recalled that Strauss told him to drop his pants and for three or four minutes fondled him before tending to his nose. When Vasquez returned to practice, he said he met Jordan, Jim Jordan, uh, then a wrestling coach, now the congressman. He met Jordan and a cluster of other wrestlers. Quote, Dr. Strauss's hands are cold as fuck. He was grabbing my balls and everything, Vasquez recalled, complaining. According to Vasquez, some of the wrestlers erupted in laughter, but Jordan just put his hands up and said, quote, I've got nothing to do with that, end of quote. Uh, and Jim Jordan insists that he knew nothing. It's, it's now recognized uh, that Strauss was abusing uh, these wrestlers, and Jim Jordan's story that he sticks to is that he knew nothing of it at the time, he heard nothing. He saw nothing. He was completely unaware of it. Your thoughts about Jim Jordan? Like Trump, he's a liar. <laughs> These guys, I mean, it's they have no moral compass whatsoever. Uh, they're, they're just incredible. They're just, you know, the thing is Republicans always pretended this is their stock and trade that they were family centered and that they were um, pro American. And now we get to see that it was all a lie, a big lie. They're none of those things. Yeah. But they've shown us that time and time again for the past six years. And by the way, I don't know if any Republicans who voted against uh, Jim Jordan cited what happened at Ohio State as a reason. They had other reasons for being against Jim Jordan. So this guy gets away with it in the Republican Party. There's no accountability whatsoever uh, for his behavior. Just And you're right. There's no accountability for Trump. Why should be there any accountability uh, for Jordan? And um, that's your Republican Party. All right, Monroe, let's close uh, with something other than uh, MAGA. And I'd love to get your reminiscence about uh, two people who died in the last week. Uh, and I know one of them you knew and one of them uh, I'm sure you were a huge fan of or a fan of. Uh, yeah. Let's start with, and well, you know. One was my role model and one I knew <laughs> very fondly. Yes. Uh, and I, I think uh, your role model would be Mr. Roundtree. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about someone you should know. Uh, Harry Porterfield. Uh, when I was a kid, he was uh, a news anchor, I think, on TV, and uh, he had this feature, and I, it just had such an impact and impression on me. It was called Someone You Should Know, and he would do a, like a three- to four-minute bit about someone that's not in the news but has who's a significant life, yeah. and you should know about them. And so he goes, someone you should know. And I'd be, oh, my God, in high school, I know it was my, someone you should know. I'm imitating Harry Porterfield. <laughs> for 50 years, man. Uh, I never got to know him. Uh, ironically, even though he's someone I should know, but I never met him. Talk a little bit about Harry Porterfield and his legacy. Okay, he had a great voice. He, he, I mean, he really had a great voice. It's, it was a radio voice on TV. But it, the, the thing is, um, okay, this is, let me see if I can get the year right. Uh, this was 1984. Mm -hmm. uh, I was um, a columnist for the Tribune at the time. And I, 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 I covered City Hall. And um, I was totally out of grace with uh, the editor of the newspaper. And so there was a big shakeup in January of that year, where they they just they blew out uh, the entire assignment staff, and I went from being um, covering city hall to um, I was to I was assigned to some news seg segment that the Tribune was going to have called the Metro or something like that. I don't remember. But there were only two people assigned to it, me and a young white woman. And this was punishment for me. Okay, The, the punishment, well, uh, Jim Squires was the editor. And it went back a bunch of different ways. Um, 
with, with me and him, I, I confronted him for being a racist and he didn't appreciate that. And I, the, the day before the general election in Chicago, I was on the Today Show. Jane Pauley was interviewing me and asked, what did I think would happen if Carol Washington lost? If Harold Washington got it. Mm -hmm. He lost the election. And so I thought about it and I very carefully said, uh, uh, I would hope that wouldn't happen. But if it did, there is a possibility there'd be rioting in the streets. Mm -hmm. The Tribune switchboard lit up for what I said. And so I was persona non grata for sure after that. And so they assigned me to this very menial, I mean, it was the lowest position they could have given a reporter. I mean, that's something that they give to a brand new cub reporter. Uh, so I was out doing one of these Mickey Mouse stories and Harry Porterfield was doing a story too. And he looks at me and says, what are you doing out here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I shrugged it. I didn't want to get in any more trouble. But um, obviously, he had a lot of respect for me, for him to do that. Now, as fate would have it, uh, the Bill Curtis had gone to New York mm -hmm. uh, to, to be planning on being a national editor. And he made the mistake of saying that um, what he really wanted to do one day was Dan Rather's job. And so he became persona non grata. And uh, less than a year later, he, Curtis was on his way back to Chicago. And, and Harry had been an anchor. What they did to make room for Bill Curtis is they gave Harry Common Ground, the talk show. Okay. That was a big demotion. Yeah. And so Harry ended up going to ABC. He, and he took someone you should know with him. And every, it, it worked out well for him. Yeah. It did work out for well, well for him. Uh, he probably, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the highest profile black person on local TV throughout the 70s and 80s. Am I missing somebody that I'm uh, overlooking? That I'm over, am I overlooking someone here, Monroe, when I say that? Uh if you're just talking TV, yeah, no. If you're talking about first um, uh, overall journalist, um, yeah, that would have been Vernon Jordan, Jerry. I mean, Vernon Jerry. Jarrett. Yeah, Vernon had a newspaper column. He had a TV show. He did radio. As a uh, one reporter at the Tribune, one white reporter at the Tribune said to me. That man is making more money off of being black than anybody I know. Did you agree with that person? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ver, Ver, yeah. Vernon was a a, a force. Just he, his TV show wasn't that good. His column wasn't that good. But he he he, he was the guy. He was the man. I'll push back on that uh, because there are a lot of white people who have a lot of prominence in the media. Yeah. Uh, and I had never heard anybody said this person's making more money for being white. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, but, no, no, this was, was this, this was uh, one of the middle management editors, Bill Curry at the Tribune. And what he was saying was for a black person, not, you know, there was a different standard for us than them. Because um, Cup was making way more money. Oh, my God. And, and I mean, I love Cup, but let's, let's right. face it, he's not Ernest Hemingway. You right. know what I mean? Right, exactly. exactly. Right. Come on, man. Cup was a gossip columnist. Right, exactly. Uh, and he had a TV show and everything. He was Cup. Right. Uh, and... Uh, uh, so, uh, and about at the end, it was Stella doing all the work anyway. That's right, inside, right. but what he knows what I'm talking about with that, but Monroe does. Right. Um, 
Uh, anyway, Harry Porterfield, I remember he came to Evanston High School uh, when I was in uh, high school. It was a big deal. I forget who brought him there. It's so long. It's an ancient memory. But I remember going to see him speak. Uh, someone you should know, Harry Porterfield. May you rest in peace. The other man who died, uh, Richard Roundtree, just died yesterday, uh, who was uh, Miss Sergio at this moment when I do this, uh, was the star of Shaft. Shaft's big score, and Shaft goes to Africa. Uh, the, <laughs> those last two movies, not as good as Shaft, no. which really doesn't really stand up the test of time, in my humble opinion, anyway. But it's uh, uh, the opening is pound for pound the greatest opening, in my humble opinion, of any movie uh, yeah, to this day. Right. Yeah. You know, and um, uh, and of course, thank there's you, that. Thank you, Isaac Hayes. Yes. There's a great, and there's no truth. There's a line in the Isaac Hayes song Shaft that goes, uh, he's a black uh, private dick at the sex machine to all the chicks. Right. Uh, the original line was uh, Monroe. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just had to do that, Monroe. Um, your thoughts about Richard Roundtree? Uh, I, he was a model to start off, not an actor. He was, he was, um, Modeling, I think it was Afro Sheen. He's a model for them He's in Ebony and places like that. Yeah. And um, Gordon Park saw him and said, "Wow, this you know this guy." Because you know Gordon was a famous photographer, yeah. and he, he he had the eye, and so he put him in this role. And, and um, with Isaac Hayes' score sound score if it hadn't been for that sound score shaft probably wouldn't be what it is to this day but the music was so profound and uh and and the plot was good too you know because this was the um the black exploitation black exploitation movies era in fact this was one of them that that, that launched it and what it did was um we, we went from black people we're from we shall overcome that we overcame and we sticking it to the man. <laughs> it's scary stuff for a lot of white people. No, it's like uh, promo to it, which I thought was great. The ad for the movie was Shaft. Uh, uh, the mob wanted Harlem back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. The mob wanted that's correct. The mob wanted. Uh, I urge everybody to uh, all you millennials out there don't know what we're talking about. You Z's out there, no idea what we're talking about. Google, go to YouTube, look at the opening of Shaft, uh, the movie with that Isaac Hayes song, Shaft. Uh, and uh, I tell me that's not the greatest opening uh, of all time in a movie. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just biased and it's a generational thing, but it's it stands. For the time period, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and I'm not hating on a, a John Travolta, but uh, for Saturday Night Fever, which I also love, a great flick at the end of the 70s, totally stole, totally stole the opening. Go, when you're done watching uh, Shaft's opening from 1971, I think it was, Monroe, yeah. then go watch uh, Saturday Night uh, Live excuse me, Saturday Night Fever, uh, they're opening from, I think it was like 77, 78, something like that. And tell me. 78. Yeah, 78. That that opening scene where John Travolta's walking down the street in Brooklyn with a paint can in his hand, uh, right. and they're playing Staying Alive. Tell me that's not just taken from Shaft. Come on. But the other iconic scene in Shaft that uh, Saturday Night Fever couldn't steal because of the plot was yeah. when he crashes through the window free the mobsters he he, he rigs up a, a, a rope or something and he swings through the movie guns blazing shooting yeah. guys you know i i just i loved i i it's so amazing that i loved it so much i've had that conversation with sergio mims obviously before he died and i was like how could i love this movie so much it doesn't stand a test of time where was i and i'm like well, i was 15 years old Right, 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 you know. right. So, you know, so it's, I mean, that's, it was what it was. It's, I, you, you watch it now, 
and the plot is the plot isn't bad, but the acting <laughs> like so stiff. So you know, it's, it was obvious everybody was new to the game back then. Yeah. That's up. There's that scene with oh my god, where the oh it's the opening where the blind uh the newspaper vendor he's blind but he yeah. sees everything. I right. love that that conceit. Right. And, yeah, uh, but hey, you know, Gordon Parks had some nice touches. Yes. In the movie. Yes. You know, but back then the music. I mean, this is what got likes into movie scores and what have you, because. Superfly is a horrible movie. Yeah, but what a great soundtrack. Right, but the sword track, track is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And by the way, Trouble Man, yeah. which is in the same category, yeah. great great Robert Hook's great opening right. with uh, Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man, but the rest of the movie, Monroe? <laughs> yeah, I know. Where, uh, oh, where, where Hooks tells the guy uh, to... Um, get out of his face. Basically, you're fucking up my day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then you get into the, the, the theme song, Trouble Man. Trouble Man. And then after that, it's a lot of tr- problems with the movie. <laughs> a lot of trouble with the movie. Right, exactly, after right. They get the- right. Right. All right, Monroe. It's a pleasure talking to you as always. Uh, and you've been doing this, ladies and gentlemen. He's pain- playing in pain. People don't know this because he keeps it to himself, but he has a cold. And he still uh, got through this show. Uh, so he's like Walter Payton rushing for 270 something yards with a fever. People forget that Walter Payton did that. I think it was 1977. So Monroe Jordan too, you know, Jordan had the game where he had this incredible fever and he, 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 he made the winning shot for a game. Let's just put it, let's sum it all up. You got Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, Shaft, Monroe Anderson. There you go. Mount yeah. Rushmore, ladies and gentlemen. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> yeah, he reserves the right to be first, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, uh, so i talk to you next week. Very good. Talk to you next week. That's Monroe Anderson. Also, I want to thank producer Chris. Does an outstanding job. It is Monroe, Shaft, Michael Jordan, uh, and Harry Porterfield will tell you, hey, Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J. Bonus interviews, and a whole lot more at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J. Show, and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.